It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Always good, Anthony, when I start talking right as the lyrics come in. Sounds great. Do you know what song this is? Uh, No. Inform me. I've heard it before, but I can't remember the name. Uh, It is Ace of Spades, Motorhead. All right. Why'd you pick that? Actually, it's Motorhead, Ace of Spades. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Ace of Spades is the band. Yeah. There's that. My back is just got real stiff. So people on YouTube are seeing me stretch all kinds of awkward ways. Uh, We do stream live all three hours. If you want to see what kind of shenanigans happens during the show, Uh, because we keep it professional sounding, not always professional looking. Uh, You can stream us on YouTube uh, at the team 980. We also post highlights of the show there. And of course, if you miss any part of it, the Hoffman show podcast, if you want, for instance, my thoughts on Adam Peters, uh, which started the show, you can go listen to them right now. Uh, That four o'clock hour already up in the podcast feed. Just search the Hoffman show and Apple podcast, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, Amazon music, wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen on demand. 530 on a, uh, Quasi Monday, Tuesday after a holiday weekend, football games all weekend long. We go around the NFL and uh, we'll go a little bit deeper into all of these games. Uh, obviously, we'll get back to Peters and his introductory press conference, the main story of the day coming up at the top of the hour. We will do a pick six kind of training camp style, how we originated the segment where we pick six of the most important things playing for you at six o'clock. So uh, six takeaways from the Adam Peters press conference coming up. At six. Right now, though, Anthony, we go around the NFL. Let's do it, shall we? Uh, starting with the games on Saturday and a shellacking of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting to follow for the next two to three years is, is Bobby Slowick a dude as a, as a coach? Is C.J. Stroud a dude as a quarterback? Or are they both dudes? Because they're doing some dude stuff. They dropped, I mean, they, they really only dropped 31 because there were two pick sixes in this game. But shy two possessions, right? Because when you have a pick six, that takes a possession away from your offense. So they only ran, God, I think they ran like 45 plays in this game. Let me uh, let me look at that real quick. Um, but yeah, they ran, they ran 44 total plays in the game, Anthony. And in those 44 offensive plays, they scored 31 points. Like, they wrecked a good, great even Browns defense that was one of the best in football for most of the year. And I think it showed a couple things. One, C.J. Stroud is ridiculous. He is, Orlovsky had a good bar on Monday's edition to get up. He goes, I don't know how many quarterbacks are better than this dude in the league right now, but it's less than his jersey number. And if you can't remember, he's just sit there driving home through the snow focusing on the road, please. Uh, C.J. Stroud wears the number seven. So not a lot of dudes in the league better than him straight up right now, nevertheless, you know, by age and experience. But um, it also, I think, shows you the value of one great offensive lineman. This is a working theory I have that I'm going to put to the test uh, as we dive into some of these playoff teams uh, and, and kind of look at how these teams are built. But Laramie Tunzel just shuts down Miles Garrett. And the fact that you don't have to help a Miles Garrett because Laramie Tunzel is the best pass-blocking left tackle in the league means the other four offensive linemen are – like their jobs become way easier because they have help – whether it's they can help each other, uh, four on three in a, in a four-man front, 
whether they can get backs and tight ends to come in and help. But like, you just don't have to help that guy. And where, or if, you know, even if they move Miles Garrett around and get him off of Larry Tunzel, then you definitely have a one on one that you feel great about. Tunzel's not giving up a sack to not Miles Garrett. So I think that like combination of great left tackle in this particular case, um, great young quarterback and a play caller who knows how to leverage his run game and his pass game and bury it up and get the play action shots. Um, it's just a hell of a combination. And Oh, by the way, their defense is pretty damn good too. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, I was trying to talk to Zaire and the rest of my line brothers about CJ Stroud and whether or not it's the system that, you know, Bobby Sloak has, you know, somehow managed to really get going um, really over the, uh, the course of the year. Or if it was just, you know, CJ is just this good because he only passes for, what was he, 16 for 20? He had 21 drop or pass attempts. And for him to go out there and put up 274 and three tuts, I feel like a lot of the throws were very easy. You know, they schemed the defense up, you know, perfectly. Um, So I'm not necessarily sure, like, what to make, but it's the fact that CJ is out here uh, making the throws and leading his team to, uh, to victory. So... I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, pressure on him next year. But I I just want to know, like, is it slow? It? Is it CJ? It's I, impossible I, to know. But, I mean, I, and it obviously, like, CJ is going to only get better. Theoretically, this is as mm-hmm. bad as he's ever going to be. The one thing that Logan made a great point, we were talking about this this morning on the pod, but he's like, the one thing you can definitely give slow at credit for is they learned this offense in a year. Yep. Like, you know, when you hear it takes two, three years to, and like, by the way, it's not, this isn't like a shot at EB or a shot at Scott Turner or anybody that's been here. Kyle Shanahan will tell you it takes three years to learn a system. Slowick found a version that his guys, many of whom are young babies in this league, could learn in a year. All their important pieces are new. Like Nico Collins, new. Tank Dell, new. Dalton Schultz, new. CJ Stroud, new. Like all them dudes never run this stuff before. Um, and maybe they've run versions of West Coast. Maybe they've run versions of different things. But, like, new stuff, they learned it. And they figured out uh, the right mix of enough stuff that it's hard for the defense, but not too much that they can't do it at a high level. And that is tremendous from an OC and a staff. Like, obviously, D'Amico and, and Sloic collaborated on bringing in the rest of the position coaches. They did a great job building that staff. Like, that is that is a well-coached football team, and it's one that is only going to get better as long as they have reinforcements. And that's the thing that's going to be tough and like kind of test the defensive head coach theory is if Slowick leaves to get a job, which I think he will, um, who's next? And can that person build on what they've had? The one thing that I, I would definitely think D'Amico does that I just don't understand when coaches do, like if, you're, if you have a head coach or if you have an offensive coordinator and you're a defensive head coach and your OC leaves – because he's been successful. Why would you bring in a coach with a different system? Why would you replace, you know, a West Coast guy from the Shanahan tree with anything but a West Coast guy from the Shanahan tree? Yeah. I want to. I want a guy who speaks the same language. I want a guy who thinks the same way. Like, go find someone, the best person to lo- to conti- have the continuity on what you had. And uh, maybe there's a couple tweaks, and obviously everyone's going to call it differently. You're going to lose something. But I would rather do that than like, oh, yeah, we got this weird Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniel system or the Eric Coriel system or whatever else. Um, and I, I think D'Amico probably thinks that way. I would think he thinks that way. Uh, and they'll try to keep some continuity, even if Slowick leaves for C.J. Stroud. Um, on the Browns side, like, congrats on a great season. Um, 
despite the fact that you did the dumbest thing that an NFL team has ever done for a quarterback for the worst possible person you could do it for, or one of the worst possible people you could do it for, your roster is good enough anyway. And like, to me, this shows why this Browns front office is so well thought of around the league because they've got guys all over the place. Uh, Flacco hats off to you, sir, for coming back and, and doing that. You got, I wonder if he's going to be done or whether he comes back and, a team would definitely take a flyer on him based off the five and one record that he had down the stretch. But ultimately like he's still Joe Flacco. He still threw some really bad picks. And uh, that's, that's probably the biggest difference in this game. Uh, Saturday night dolphins chiefs. And I know everyone wants to dunk on the dolphins because they again, fell apart. So to speak in December, they lose on, on a, you know, minus 30 degree wind chill night. But bro, like this ain't about, this ain't about them being soft or not built for it. Like they didn't have the dudes. They're on like their fourth and fifth, you know, outside linebackers. Mostert's banged up. Waddle's banged up. Hill's banged up. Like they just, they're not remotely close to the, the football team that they were in October and November in terms of the actual players on the field. And yeah, are there some things where they probably need to rethink some stuff schematically and like maybe have a little bit more toughness with what they do and not so much rely on winning with the pen uh, as well, as much as they won with the pen this year in terms of being just so schematically like superior and finding different angles and creating stuff so that when you get in a, in a sloppy, nasty game in December and everything's not quite as sharp because it's freezing cold outside that you can still win. Yeah. They, they probably do need to do some level of review there. But the biggest reason they lost is like Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle and many others were not playing. And that's that's not the same team that was the number one seed in the AFC for parts of this season. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on the defensive side of the ball, but they still had their offensive guys out there. And I know everybody's banged up. You know, Waddle, he's playing through injury. Um Mostert, H-Hand, they're all playing through injury. But if you're out there on the field, I think you're expected to go out there and produce. And For I just sure. don't think uh, the Dolphins, you know, offensively, down the la- over the last month, they've been clicking on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, I do think they have a, a great defense, but when this season started, everyone was, you know, marveling at the offense. We weren't really talking about the defense. Yes, their defense has, you know, kept them in games and, you know, helped them win games over the last month. But we've been talking about the offense, and the offense didn't come out there and produce. That's on Tua. That's on um, Mike McDaniel as well. No, it is. Tua, I think, probably is the, the guy that you have the most to ask about. I mean, he's 20 or 39. It's not very good. Um, you know, only throws for 199 yards. I do wonder if they could have run the ball a little bit more. Like, can you keep that established? But they're also down, you know, 7 nothing in the first. They, they lose the second quarter as well. So they're down, what, 16-7 at halftime. Um, do you just abandon the run game? Uh, and that's that's probably not a great way. So I, I would tend to think they come back a little bit more physical next year. Um, and I think McDaniels is smart enough and has seen it work in San Francisco that he'll do that. But it also goes to show you like the value of home games for them. Like That's a team built on speed, and mm-hmm. they had their chance against Buffalo and other chances in the final weeks of the season to get one more win and, and win the AFC East and be at home last weekend. They didn't. They lost. And as a result, uh, they're gonna, they had to go to Kansas City, who, by the way, was really good. They're, and that defense is also, like, let's not, let's not get it twisted. Man. Their defense is nasty in KC. And all of a sudden, 
guys starting to catch the ball a little bit. Like Travis Kelsey had a, had a couple of drops, but like Rashi Rice, eight catches, one thirty. That dude's sick. And if those, you know, Sky Moore, um, you know, Rashi Rice, like they've invested, the, you know, more in play. I don't think. I'm pretty sure he's out. Um, certain didn't have a target. Um, but like they have these guys that they've invested in, right? And if they ever turn out, and Rice is a rookie, so I think he's probably going to turn out. But you get a second round like receiver, like that's a really good football player. And so all of a sudden they figure out how to use some of these guys. Playoff Pat does playoff Pat stuff. He has two big carries in the game. Uh, and and that's that's how the, the Chiefs are, are going to win. All right, when we get back, we'll speed through some of the other games. Some of them, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Obviously, some of them, Cowboys, Eagles, there's plenty to talk about. So we'll get to all of those games, plus the game of the weekend, uh, game of the weekend, Rams-Lions, next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the team 980 going around the NFL. Uh, by the way, uh, from a pick standpoint, Anthony, how was your Saturday? Uh, I went 0 and 2, Greg. Sure did. I went 2 and 0. As did Vic, I believe. Um, I gotta, I gotta go back and listen to uh, see exactly who won the weekend. Uh, but I think it was me. Uh, Packers and Cowboys definitely didn't get this one right. Uh, the Cowboys, like. They stunk early in this game, and their defense was not good throughout. I do think this is going to be the most unpopular take in town because I'm about to defend Dak Prescott in a town full of many Cowboys fans who hate him and, of course, Washington fans who also hate him. But, like, Dak, by the end of this, kind of was back on track. I mean, they did score 32 in this game, despite being shut out and being pretty terrible early. He has two huge mistakes. Those are, I don't want to say indefensible, but, like, they really mattered. But he did throw for 403 yards and three touchdowns. He never stopped fighting. And I say all that to say this. The Cowboys have a huge decision to make on him because he has a massive cap number. Um, and I would say, assume they probably restructure and try to bring that cap number down. Um, but he's due to count like $59 million on the cap next year. Dak Prescott's really good. And he played at an MVP level most of the year. And I think that just because he had... A bad playoff game. Yes, it's another bad playoff game, but a quote-unquote bad playoff game where he throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns, albeit with two picks, would be a very stupid reason to move on from him, a.k.a. good luck finding a better quarterback than Dak Prescott in the modern NFL. Um, and, like, again, because of where the commanders are in their timeline, like, I wouldn't want Dak here, but if I was another team who I thought was a quarterback away from contending, I would want Dak Prescott. Um, because I think he can help you win and win in the playoffs, even if it hasn't really been his jam to this point. It is pretty funny, the graphic I saw over the weekend. Uh, Dak Prescott, Tony Romo each have two. Count them, one, two playoff wins. Nick Foles has four. <laughs> uh, I'm on the same boat as you, Craig. Uh, I'm not going to put all the blame on Dak. I think if you go out there and give up 48 points, I think everybody gets, you know, some of the blame pie. But the defense, yeah. 48 what points, happened? that is on the defense. Like, I thought Jay was interesting uh, earlier today on, on Russell's show, um, and I've, I've seen some similar things. Like, Dallas is a smaller defense, and they get beat up against this Kyle Shanahan style of running game. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what happened. Um, Green Bay can run the ball whenever they want. Then yep. They hit the play-action shots. I will also say, for as much as Aaron Rodgers sucks as a, as a dude, um, that dude was is like one of the best quarterbacks we've obviously ever seen play. And the way he, 
like, even if it was by osmosis, because I don't think Aaron Rodgers was, like, mentoring Jordan Love in a major way. But they clearly shared a, a QB room for multiple years, and, and I think, you know, it seems like they have a good relationship. Um, the way, the similarities in how they play is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, the way Love moves around the pocket is as if he's doing a Rodgers impression, that quick release, that kind of, like, jump every time you throw deal – it's it's wild. It's like for a guy that was so unique in how he did it in Rodgers, to see Love mimic that to a T is crazy. Because no one else does it that way, but it works. And Lafleur's got them cooking. Yep. You know, do I trust them long term with Joe Barry coordinating that defense? Absolutely not. Do I think they're about to give <laughs> up a ton of points this weekend? Sure do. But what they're doing offensively is impressive, and if they can get the defensive side right. Over the next couple of years, they're going to be really nasty because, by the way, they're the youngest team in the league by a lot. This is his, uh, there was a great line from, I think it was Tariko, uh, on, on the broadcast when he's like, this is as bad as they're going to be. Or uh, from Greg Olson, I think, on the broadcast. This is as bad as they're going to be for like the next five years. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Rams, Lions, this was the best game of the weekend, and it comes down to red zone execution. Ben Johnson schemed up some really good stuff in the red zone. Sean couldn't get them to score in the red zone. Um, that doesn't mean Ben Johnson's a better coach than Sean McVay. Just it was on this particular day. The execution mattered. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Glenn's defense did a good job of bowing up, um, especially in the second half is, is obviously the Lions' offensive point production slow, but they also bowed up in the red zone. And you force field goals, and, and you win a game at home, and uh, what a cool moment for the city of Detroit. He's been waiting for this for so long. Um, and for Jared Goff. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, th there's some great sound from the postgame locker room that we'll play for you an hour from now in real things. And Dan Campbell kind of plays into the narrative about Goff in L.A. And it's like, hey, he goes, hey, Jared, like, you know, or, all I got to say is this. You're good enough for us, Jared Goff. And he tosses him the game ball and everyone goes nuts. And that's great. This was a both teams won the trade trade. L.A. won a Super Bowl. And they won it in L.A., which is what their whole plan was. The timelines matter. And good for Jared Goff for going to Detroit, being like, I'm not done. You're not, I'm not going to be one of these guys that becomes a career backup. I'm good enough to start in this league. I'm good enough to win in this league. Putting in the work. Good job by Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, their GM, of building something. Good job of Campbell for moving on from Anthony Lynn after year one. To be like, this isn't the right guy for me for finding Ben Johnson, for hiring him, for empowering him to do what he's done with that offense. Like, this is a modelly built franchise in the way that they've done it and set themselves up here, which is crazy because it's the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions have been the anti-model franchise for 50 years, and now they're they're a team that others are trying to emulate. And congrats, good for them. Yeah, shout out to the Lions going out there and getting the dub. However, Craig, I was very upset to hear them boo Matthew Stafford. After everything that he had done for the city, I don't think they were justified in, you know, going out I, there and booing him. Yeah, guy. I mean, I don't I think if you boo him during the game, it's fine. He's he's the opposing quarterback. Um you you cheer him before, you cheer him after. There better be I mean, Matthew Stafford, for what he gave, including a couple of ribs, it feels like, uh deserves to have his number retired in Detroit. Exactly. Um but by the same token, like Jared Goff just did something Matthew Stafford never did. Won yep. a playoff game in Detroit. Yeah. Um, mostly that was not Matthew Stafford's fault remotely. Nope. Uh, but 
that is a, a bizarrely true statement. Uh, Steelers, Bills, not a lot to say here. Steelers are not very good um, by playoff team standards, and especially without TJ Watt. Uh, this game probably could have easily been 40 to nothing. And here, here's my takeaway from this game, Anthony, quickly, is it's a good reminder how quickly things can turn. One play can change things. And luckily for the Bills, it only changed it to make it a more interesting competitive game, not like a, oh, God, the results change game. But, the, you know, they should have punted at the end of the first half. And they try a field goal, and on that field goal attempt, it's blocked. Their punter pulls a hamstring, and the Steelers ultimately score. If that is the other hamstring, the kicking hamstring, like how different is the rest of their postseason? Like they could go sign a punter, but they have to go find some punter who's a free agent right now yeah. um, and is, like, in shape and ready to go. So, like, it, it just is a reminder that this is such a week-to-week league, a play-to-play league. Everything's pretty fragile. Um but yeah, uh, you see that. And then Eagles and Buccaneers, we, we're, we'll probably spend some more time on the Eagles tomorrow. Um, cause we'll either probably get an announcement that Sirianni's gone or that he's staying and they fired other people. We can talk about it, uh, then, but truly one of the worst collapses in the history of the league. And, uh, I saw a great tweet from, uh, our old friend, Brendan Dar earlier. And obviously they replaced Sean Desai as the defensive play caller in the middle of the season. And Dar goes, when will the NFL learn that the answer is never Matt Patricia? <laughs> because when they made the change, it got worse. Yep. And they never found it defensively. And I think you'd have, a re- I would have a real concern if I was an Eagles fan about the trajectory of Jalen hurts. Um, Steichen was so clearly a big part of what they were doing. I hated the way that they like kind of put so much on him, you know, and it just shows like there's a good, there's a right way to develop a quarterback. And also it's okay to like, continue to do that you don't develop a quarterback in a year Jalen Hurts was incredible last year in this incubated system keep him in it you can put a little bit more on his plate but don't ask him to do everything because he had success not doing a lot last year um and they they didn't rely on that o-line um like they should have and uh the result is you get pounced in Tampa by Baker Mayfield and company Baker by the way insane in this game 337 three touchdowns yeah, I, I just feel as though the Eagles just got away from their identity, running the ball and using the the strength of the team, which is the offensive line. They put up a graphic yesterday in week three against the Bucks. They ran for 201 yards. Yesterday, they had 42 rushing yards. Complete opposite game plan that they had going against this Bucks team. So I think it's more so – I wouldn't even put all of the blame on Jalen Hurts, to be honest. Like, yes, he didn't have a, a great last month, but – I think the the team just got away from his identity. Yeah, and it and it hurt him uh, a lot. Uh, so apparently, uh, Brian Powell, listening on the YouTube stream, uh, said Vic went three and three. Mm. So Brian was tracking the picks. Anthony, oh, wow. with you out, we had we had multiple people picking up the slack. Yeah, including some of the YouTube streamers. So Brian, <laughs> thank you, uh, much appreciated. Uh, we also let's see, uh, we got a couple other. Uh, also, we talked about Peters earlier. Uh, you know, Super Bowl in San Francisco. They did make it 2019 uh, when he was there. They lost to the Chiefs. Duh. Um, I was talking about Kyle uh, and 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 Peters. But anyway, uh, the point is. Uh, so thanks to to Kevin on uh, on that. Uh, but the point is that uh, I went four and two. Mm-hmm. You went two and four. Vic went three and three. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, we'll pick the. Divisional round games, Friday at 5.30. Do not miss that. When we get back, it's our pick six at six. Six of the biggest takeaways and sound bites 
from the Adam Peters introductory press conference next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.